FM Breakfast Show with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. You are listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. My name is Lawson, and sitting across from me is... It's Monica, how you doing? Ah, so good, Monica. Well, Lyle's away right now, so we're, you know, laughing at him. <laughs> we're, we're having fun without him. away, the mice are at play. That's right. We've <laughs> also got producer Shanna doing a fantastic yeah. job filling in for producer Shell, who is also away. I'm going to be honest, I have no idea where they are. Oh, Really? No. Lyle is preaching up in Tari. He's doing a campaign, ah, okay. I think. I think. And Shell is with her grandson, her first grandson. Ah. So, yeah, her eldest son, Harley, uh, he and his wife had um, a baby last week. Okay, I know that much. So, yeah, it's a week old as of yesterday, but, yeah, it's her first grandson. Okay. Second grandchild, first grandson. Very exciting stuff. Montgomery, James, Southwell. So, Lyle and Shell have become grandparents for the second time. Well... They didn't tell me either of those things, so <laughs> I am uh, glad to be finally filled in and to be, you know, continuing our week. What are you grateful for this morning, Monica? I'm so grateful, actually, for something that happened on the weekend. I, uh, As people know, I live in a converted school bus that I um, turned into a tiny home during the pandemic, and I park wherever I want and sleep. And uh, on the weekend, I made the mistake of parking in what turned out to be an entertainment precinct and it ended up being a pretty dangerous night. And I'm very grateful to the Lord for having brought me through that night safely. So yeah, what are you grateful for, Lawson? Um, oh, let's see. I I didn't get up too much lately. Because you're sick. You poured it just like Just like a little bit. Pray for Lawson, everyone. He's, <laughs> he's a little bit under the weather. I've, just, I've got a cold, which isn't which isn't great, but I've got Diflam on my side, you know, the little <laughs> discs that numb your throat. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Well, coming up in today's show, we are going to be talking about actually uh, some stories that I didn't get to yesterday, such as Joe Biden's visit to Israel and Palestine, as well as insurance companies warning churches in the UK to protect themselves from arsonists as it's on the rise. Right now, we have come time for the first question for the quiz. What is the common name given to the first four books of the New Testament? Sorry? What is the first... Sorry, hang on. What is the common name given to the first four books of the New Testament? Ah, okay. This is this is very common. Yeah, very, very, very common. This, we, I believe that you guys will be able to answer this mm-hmm. question. Without Zero, Googling. <laughs> what is our prize for this week? Uh, this, this week we have a really special prize. It's actually a double prize. You get a music CD as well as a jigsaw puzzle, um... I think it's 500 to 1,000, depending on which one you pick. But the cool thing is we're actually going to let you pick whichever one you want, both the CD and the and the uh, jigsaw puzzle. So the jigsaw puzzle, there's like, oh, I don't know, maybe about 10 different options. You get like, you know, Christ holding a child, uh, Good Shepherd, Three Angels, Garden of Eden, Daniel of the Lion's Den, that kind of thing. You know, Noah's mm-hmm. Ark, First Rainbow, New Jerusalem. There's a whole bunch of different um Pictures you can choose from, and we'll let you have whichever one you like. And then with the CD, you can also pick whichever one you like. We have a selection there. There's Melita Fong, um, Carly Fletcher, Anna Beaton, uh, these kind of um, uh, music artists. And you can pick whichever two CD and jigsaw puzzle that you would like to have, and uh, we'll send them to you. But that's only if you get drawn out of the big big drawer on, on Friday. That's right. But you need to be in it to win it. 
That's and right. you, this is the, you know that's often just get what, one question right. It's often what people say about the lottery, like buy lottery tickets because you know you need to be in it to win it. Now we are not proponents of the lottery here, absolutely. And not. this is definitely not gambling. This is you're answering questions correctly, and also the pool is much smaller. You yeah. actually have a chance of winning. And it's not like the first person to get each one right. It's like if you, if everyone gets the first question right, you're all in the draw. So yeah, any point that you'd like to answer, give us a text or a call 0491064669. Shanna is standing by to grab your answers. What is the common name given to the first four books of the New Testament? I had a, my pastor friend just text me the answer wrong. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I should say his name because I don't want to embarrass him. Nah, he thought he thought we said first five books of the Bible. Oh, oh, oh! Mm-hmm. And he was he said the the wrong thing. It's not the first five books of the Old Testament. It's the first four books of the New Testament. Yeah, that's right. It's okay because his first language is in English. So you know, we- <laughs> so that's an excuse. My first language is in English, and so I know the answer. <laughs> Anyways, let's have a look at some positively different news this morning. <laughs> yes, indeed. Incredible story uh, coming out of the ocean, actually. actually. Uh, strong currents swept a 30-year-old man out to sea as he was on a uh, beach castaway, a Macedonian man. Oh. Um, yeah, he was a, he's a tourist. Mm. And um, he survived uh, 18 hours at sea by clinging to a partially deflated soccer ball. In the Aegean Sea. Wow. Uh, so apparently he is a good swimmer, but he was growing tired. Um, you know, as Australians, we all know the, the danger of currents and um, and fighting against them if you're doing it, if you don't know what you're doing. And um, yeah, do you know what? It's actually, I didn't realise until I was much older and I started travelling just how blessed Australians are to have mandatory swimming lessons as a kid. Oh, um, just so the, true. Because we think that's basic human knowledge, and then you meet people from other countries where, like, for the most part, swimming is not part of the curriculum unless you're lucky. Yeah, I remember being eight years old, and we had a Japanese exchange student come over, and they told me they couldn't swim. And I was flabbergasted. I was like, what? Are you serious? I want to save all the Americans I met. 50% don't actually know how to swim. Get out. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. Americans. Americans, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, and then... Okay. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I... um, this is a bit of a side story. I, I had a, an African friend come over um, from Zambia when I was about 14. And my brother and I and the friend went to the beach. Uh-huh. And uh, we were like, oh, let's swim out to that jetty. And he was like, okay, cool. And so we jumped and we started swimming out to the jetty. And about halfway there, he just suddenly started drowning and <laughs> right in front of my eyes. And so, um, praise the Lord, I, I saved his life because like, I was oh, like, close amazing. to him. My brother was further up ahead, and so I had to pull him off to shore. Uh-huh. Um, do the, you, know, you know how to do, put them on their back and you put their arm up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The whole thing that you've been taught since you were an attacker. Yeah. And, uh, and then we get to the jetty, and he's like huffing and puffing, and we spoke to him, and he was like, I don't actually know how to swim. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you say you don't know how to swim? <laughs> that's kind of classic, though. Like, you're in a country that's not your own. And- yeah, and I, and I think you just think it's pretty simple. You don't realise yeah, that Australians, yeah. like, we've been swimming before we could walk, basically. That, that's, like, that's the reason why the show Bondi Rescue exists. Yeah. Because tourists, <laughs> tourists come and get stuck in rips. And, like, yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah, so so we we don't realise how blessed we are to, to have the... um. The, the lessons if you're mm. a kid uh, to to navigate rips and that kind of stuff. Um, so this poor fella, his name was I, his name's Ivan. Um, he <laughs> went for a paddle. Uh, the rips took him out. He couldn't figure out how to get back. He got exhausted. And this is a if you don't 
know about rip safety, this is maybe a good time to just remember that no matter how strong of a swimmer you think you are, even if you're like an Olympian, you're going to have a hard time battling against a rip. Um, so maybe do a bit of YouTube and find out how to do that if you're not sure. Um, but yeah, he, he had an, uh, an old soccer ball, like a, a, a partially deflated leather ball. Uh-huh. And so he grabbed that. And um, they're calling it his real life Wilson, <laughs> you know, from the, <laughs> from the <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And um, uh, yeah, so apparently a, a couple of Greek kids had been playing with the colourful ball, and they accidentally kicked it out to sea ten days earlier. Mm. And um, they uh, they were playing football on the island of Lemnos, which was actually eighty miles away. Oh, and wow. this ball floated down. 10 days later and where this guy who was struggling to swim and survive, he was head above water, just came across it, just just crossed his path. And so he grabbed it and used it as a flotation device. And it's not even that big. It's one of those like smaller size balls. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he used that as a flotation device for 18 hours until he was rescued. Incredible story. Like if you didn't believe in God... <laughs> Wouldn't you believe in God after like a soccer ball just comes floating past you? Yeah, for sure. Right at the moment you need it. So incredible story coming out of um, Greece there. It's very Paul esque almost. Right. Like like the you know for those who know the story of Paul and as particularly when he tells his testimony, I believe it's Second Corinthians chapter eleven where he says, you know, three times I've been in the sea, even once for a night and a day. Was he really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so he, he we know about one of the shipwrecks, but in fact he's actually shipwrecked three times. And and one of those shipwrecks was, yeah, for a night and a day. So at least a, you know, we're talking almost a 24-hour period. Was he swimming or clinging on to something? Paul. Oh, we we don't know. Yeah, like, it, it doesn't yeah. divulge doesn't that information. Say. But this is, like, pretty much the same. Like, 18 hours holding on to that That's thing. It's a long time. Wow. Do you know, we, we've actually interviewed a fellow here on, before on um, on Faith FM who actually survived a plane crash. I think he was flying to Fiji or something, um, or in between the islands of Fiji, and he was in a small, like, lightweight sort of, I don't know, Cessna-type plane. And um, I remember interviewing him on Faith FM years ago, and the plane crashed into the water... And uh, unfortunately, the two pilots um, perished directly on impact. But there was, I think, four or five of them who survived the um, the impact. And so they decided to just keep swimming in the direction that they had been flying because I didn't know really where they were going. And I think about this story a lot because it's an incredible story, like especially like just nowadays to hear this kind of story. Um, so they they were praying. They were I think they were all Christians, um, and they all started praying and just started swimming in the direction that they'd been flying. And they swam. This was in the morning. They swam the whole day um, and most of the night. And then they came across. Um, they saw like lights, and they started swimming towards the lights. And fortunately, one of them I think drifted away and was lost. And so it was just like down to like the last four. And that as they saw these lights, they realized ahead of them was two different beaches and they had mm. to pick one. And they weren't sure which one to pick. And so they had them on the left, lights on the left and lights on the right. And they ended up going with the lights on the right and they managed to survive, crawled up on the beach like half dead wow. and survived and found out later that had they picked the beach on the left, they would have died because it was like a lighthouse on some bashing rocks. Oh, So, yeah, um... We should get that guy back and get him to tell a story again. Such an incredible story. <laughs> yeah. That was, and that only happened like a few years ago. Mm. So, yeah. <clears throat> I think he's a pastor here in, in the New, Newcastle area. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, 
What a cute story. The last 30 seconds. A gentleman in Ohio, 90 years old, owner of a McDonald's franchise, closed down for renovations but kept paying all his employees for three months. Wow. Isn't that just unheard of? I love it when, um, when rich people, like, sort of put themselves in the shoes of their employees and think, do you know what, they could probably use some money in that time. And, yeah, kept paying their bills for, for three months and, yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Right now, we're going to have another question for the quiz. Before we get into that, so our first question for the quiz is, what is the commonly used name for the first four books in the New Testament? I found I found out that in Chinese, the name, and I, maybe I get the pronunciation wrong, but I believe it's pronounced Fu Yin. Okay. So if you know what Fu Yin is in English... Are you just giving away the answers in Chinese now? Well... I, my, That's the Chinese people cheating then. <laughs> well, okay. I hope that they would know the answer, even though, yeah, my Chinese friend who sent me this kind of got it wrong. But he, he thought we were talking about the first books of the Bible. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Fu Yin, if you know what that is, then you know the answer. But, hey, right now we're going to have another clue for the quiz. But let your communication be blank, 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 for what whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Fill in the blanks. Nice. So that's the verse. Uh-huh. But let your communication be blank, 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 for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Mm. So it's four words. Uh-huh. Blank, 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 blank. Yeah. Classic. Well, hey, if you know the answer, 0491 you can go into the draw to win our selection of puzzles and our selection of CDs, and that will be a massive blessing to you. But again, hey, what is that, uh, what is that clue? Give it to us one more time. But let your communication be blank, 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 blank. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Ooh. Ooh. 0491-064-669. But, hey, let's have a look at some current news, some news happening around the world. Quick story that I want to talk about. Insurance, an insurance company in the UK that is responsible for insuring most of the church buildings that exist in the UK. It's like a... Lords of London? Sorry? Lloyds of London? No, this one is called Ecclesiastical Insurance. Oh, okay. So it, which is a very much a fitting name for, yeah, a, for an insurance. Yeah, it's a very churchy name, isn't that's, it? That's yeah. right. Now, this is a faith-based insurance company that does, you know, a lot of churches in the UK from a lot of different denominations. And they are absolutely urging all the churches to be on watch, on lookout for arsonists. What is happening? Why? So, uh, the last arson that took place was on the 4th of July at church in Sheffield, a big, lovely kind of, it's kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't know what era. It's not necessarily a cathedral, but it's not like a, a modern church either. It's just this beautiful kind of cottage, like old school type church. That's like almost a cathedral, but not made out of stone. This beautiful old timey church was burned down in Sheffield in the UK. But this has come, like, on the back of 150 churches that have been burnt down in the UK in the last five years. What, just because kids are being anarchists or for, like, insurance fraud? Or, like, so what? they saw a definite rise in church burnings down, burning downs, uh, in during COVID. So people just targeting churches. I think the main reason this happens is that a lot of churches in the UK go unused. Oh. So there are essentially like there there are some churches that are included in this that are definitely being used. But there are a lot of churches in the UK that go unused. So they're kind of seen almost as abandoned buildings even though they're maintained and upkept. 
you know, you don't see. I people, still don't understand you know, the motivation. Around. Irrespective of whether or not a building is abandoned or not abandoned, why why would it, why is anyone burning it down? So essentially, they don't really know. Okay. It's that is the question that is perplexing them. But what they do know is they have seen a spike in arsons against churches. If you think you might know, you know yeah, the answer. If you think, yeah, if you think you know, you might you, maybe you know more about the UK than us. Give us some insight. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call. Is this a hate crime? Is this insurance fraud? Maybe because you know how everyone went mental for renovating during COVID. So mm. also at home. Maybe they're like, well, let's renovate. The people who own the churches were like, well, let's oh, just, insurance. Yeah, let's it. just burn the sucker down and stuff. Yeah, up. well, like these churches are insured by ecclesiastical insurance because these churches are not owned by like a private entity. You know, people buy churches all the time, like mm. old churches that yeah. they get used and convert them into houses. No, these are specifically church buildings that are owned by the church. Mm-hmm. But why is it that they're just they're all getting? Burned to the ground. That's sketchy, man. That is the perplexing question. Again, our number is 0491-064-669. Give us a call or a text. Let us know what you think. But, hey, I wanted to talk about Joe Biden, the the president of the United States, how basically he recently went and he visited Israel. He visited the West Bank. He visited, the you know, the Palestinians and Gaza and whatnot. You know, did a, did a, bit, of a bit of a trip out there. And it was an interesting time. Uh, it was an interesting time meeting with both sides for him. Because on one hand, Joe Biden is a self-declared Zionist, okay? Okay. So he is a huge proponent of the is- Israeli state mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the growth and the success of the Israeli state and the, you know, the capital of Israel being Jerusalem, all of these things that have been contentious in the past, that have definitely been pushed by American politics. And what it ultimately reflects is that in America, their foreign policies in regards to Israel are very much informed by their beliefs on Bible prophecy. Okay. They essentially believe that there is a need to restore Israel for Jesus to come back. Oh, wow. That is, that is a common held, held belief within evangelicalism. Now, it's interesting because evangelicalism is usually the faith of Republicans, yeah. of which Joe Biden is not. not. Now, Joe Biden is a self-professed Christian as well, uh, but he is very much, you know, he's a, he's a Catholic. But yeah, he's very much on the, the side of, of Israel, which, you know, showed as he rocked up to Israel and they immediately awarded him with a presidential medal of honor. Oh. So they were like, yes, we love Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden afterwards headed over to, you know, Palestine and mm-hmm. started meeting with Palestinians. He met with a Palestinian tourism minister. His name is Rula Ma'aya. He met with him and the, you know, the Palestinian tourism minister. He showed him some different mosaics and, you know, met some different people and whatnot. And Joe Biden was apparently moved by the suffering of the Palestinian people under the erroneous restrictions put on them by Israelis. Mm -hmm. And as a result, he is also, while simultaneously being a self-declared Zionist, pro-Israel, he's like, I think the best way to solve the Israel-Palestine tension is a two-state system. Oh. Which is not very Zionist. Yeah. Because Zionists are like, no, this land... Belo- belongs to the Jews. He's about to rub a lot of people up the wrong way. So, the, uh, but I believe the reason he's doing this is because definitely in the past, well, I would say Barack Obama was definitely on the side of, of Israel. Uh, but yeah, in the past, essentially, 
you know, we've seen particularly from the Republican Party Zionism, but not so much from the Democratic Party, being that they are a, a fair bit more secular. And, you know, it's usually, yeah, people people who are anti-Republican, that's usually one of the issues of contention, is Zionism. They're like, no, what, why are we just blindly supporting the Jews yeah. to, like, b- bomb Palestinians over a land that's like, you know, this is specifically a religious issue that we mm-hmm. shouldn't have anything to do with. But Joe Biden is kind of playing both sides. Yeah, yeah. He's now also in a speech, he said he would commit $300 million to the building of, you know, hospitals and resources for Palestinians. So, again... It's a lot of money. He's he's really playing both sides here. He shows up to Israel first. Israel is like, yes, the one and only Joe Biden, Medal of Honor. And then he goes over to Palestine and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to give you guys money and I also love you. And I, I could imagine, like, oh, how, how are the Israelites, you know, how are the Israelis feeling about this? It's, it's and, Have they done a press time. release about it? The Israelis about... After after he went to the other side, have they said anything? I'm so intrigued to see how they react about this. I, I don't I don't believe so. I know that we've got some quotes from from Palestinians saying, you know, we need more justice, we need more dignity. Mm-hmm. You know, we are sick of being oppressed. And anyone who has been to this part of the world before uh, knows the experience there. And you know, you go to a place like a Jerusalem, like Jerusalem, and it is it is not peaceful. Even though Jerusalem in in Hebrew is translated to the you know the place of peace, mm-hmm. uh, it is not a peaceful place. Uh, there are people you know walking around with guns and and like like citizens and whatnot, and, and uh, there is yeah a lot of oppression of Palestinians that take place. And if you know the history of Israel and Palestine and the conflict that that's taking place there, and how Israel is basically just enveloping uh, Palestine, and Palestine as a state is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and I have. Palestinian friends here in Australia who definitely feel some type of way about that. But ultimately, what we're seeing here, where we've seen in the past presidents of, you know, the United States, leaders of the free world, take hard stances for and against, here, where we're seeing Joe Biden, yeah, play both sides. Interesting to see how that all pans out. Yeah, and I think this could potentially be an issue that means that he will be a one-term president. Mm, it, it's, some, that. it's something that uh, if you don't have a clear stance on this, you need to yeah you need to you need to figure yourself out. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Right now we are in the studio and we have an amazing interview coming up with Caitlin from our office about all things fitness and exercise. But before we get into it, we're going to have another clue for the quiz. How did Jesus reveal the one who would betray him? How did Jesus reveal the one who would betray him? 0491064669. If you think you know the answer, uh, you could just describe what happened in that very famous scene. And uh, if you get it right, we'll get another draw into the... Um, oh, by the way, if you get multiple ones right, you get more draws into the uh, into the draw for Friday. Mm. Don't just be like, oh, I've got one, I'm done. Keep getting more because you get a better chance of winning the big prize. The more chance you have, essentially. Yeah. yeah. How did Jesus reveal the one who would betray him? 0491 is the number to call or text. As we said, it is our time for the interview for today. And across from us, we have we have a friend. A, in a, a local in the studio with us. Caitlin, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? I am fantastic. Now, Caitlin, 
who are you? How, how do we how do we know you? And what do you do with yourself? Uh, well, we all work in this office, I suppose, together, <laughs> uh, the conference office. Uh, I am the youth and young adults departmental assistant. Yeah. Okay, so you're you're hanging out and getting things done in the area of young people. Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, that is amazing. But we are not going to be talking about youth and young adult ministry today. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be talking about exercise and physiology. Now, the question is for me, okay, you know, and I, I see you, you seem like a pretty, pretty fit person. How, what is your background in that? What, what is your, your interest in that? Oh, I guess I've always loved participating in sports uh-huh. um, and exercise growing up. I've always liked being active. Um, but yeah, when I left high school, I really didn't know what to do with myself because um, mm. I, I was really interested in things and people just say, well, like, follow your passions. And I thought a lot about being a doctor um, and I didn't quite get the marks to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. And I was really passionate about exercise and sports. And so I went and studied exercise and sports science. And okay. then, yeah, worked a bit in the field and then decided to do my master's in exercise physiology. Um, yeah, because I, I think... I am really passionate about helping people through exercise medicine and lifestyle medicine rather mm. than pharmaceutical medicine. So you are literally a professional at working out and telling other people <laughs> how they can improve their life by doing so. Somewhat. Does that yeah. mean you get to like work with athletes and that kind of thing? I can. Like my undergraduate is more focused on athletes and high performance sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but exercise physiology, like my master's, that's more specialized in um, the prevention and treatment of chronic diseases and musculoskeletal injuries. Yeah, wow. Okay, so we've got a true expert on the topic here. Like, I have no idea. Now, now cool. we just get to pick your brain, I guess. <laughs> uh, but no, I think the first place to start is to introduce us to the topic. Obviously, we're talking about health, but when it comes to exercise, when it comes to physiology and, and these things put together, like, like where do we start? How do we gain a better understanding of what that is and how it can positively impact our life? Wow. Uh, that's a really big question. <laughs> quite um, broad. Yeah, it is quite broad. I guess, I mean, it, it is suggested that everyone exercises mm. at least, like the gu- guidelines in Australia here are 150 minutes of moderate exercise every week. Mm-hmm. And that that seems like a lot at first, but when you really break it down, that's just 20 minutes a day that you just mm-hmm. need to do some form of exercise to stay healthy and help minimize your risk of getting a disease later in life. Mm-hmm. So, so we, you know, yeah, our basic understanding is that this is something that we need. Now, as you said, it's like, oh, to, to increase our quality of life, to keep us from getting diseases, you know, how does that specifically apply? Like what, what is actually happening when we exercise that gives us the ability to be immune or, you know, prone to not getting these particular diseases? Mm, So many factors there are. Yeah. There are so many factors in that, but I could use an example, like take for instance, uh, coronary heart disease. That's the leading cause of death in Australia. Uh We, that is preventable. And it's treatable through exercise. Wow. So, like, when you have coronary heart disease, it's basically caused by a buildup of fat and bad cholesterol in Mm -hmm. in your arteries. It causes them to narrow. Um, You get blockages in your arteries that can cause heart attack and stroke. Mm -hmm. When you're exercising, 
you help reduce your blood pressure, you increase your good cholesterol, and that helps you then eliminate the bad cholesterol quickly from your body. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of some of the physiology behind like that kind of um, thing. Another example is probably diabetes. So many people have diabetes mm. and um, they take medication mm-hmm. um, also um, and like antihypertensive medication. Mm-hmm. Um, with diabetes, if you're, when you're exercising, your, mu- your muscles are actually um, taking the sugar out of your yeah, they're eating the sugar out of your muscles and that and out of your liver where it's stored. Mm-hmm. And then in order to rebuild those sugar stores, they then start taking it from your blood, therefore reducing your blood sugar levels. Mm-hmm. And that can be reduced for up to 24 hours after exercise. Wow. That is so cool. I didn't know that. I feel like I need to go take a walk right now. <laughs> so it, that's actually interesting. Is that like uh, applicable to just type 2 diabetes, which is definitely like a lifestyle disease, or type 1 as well? Well, type 1, I believe, is more of an insulin sensitivity issue. And sure. exercise um, has been proven to... Um, help with insulin sensitivity. So it actually helps you use insulin more effectively in your body. Wow. Okay, so it will enable you... Okay, if you're born with a genetic disease, like diabetes type 1, like, it will help you. But then to overcome, like, the very deadly lifestyle disease of diabetes type 2... Just, just get out there. Just get walking, get moving. That is incredible. Man, I, I feel like there's just so many examples. It's just like, okay, pick a disease and it's like, okay, so yeah. how does exercise help you to overcome this particular problem or disease? I feel disease? Like there's nothing exercise can't help with. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's another part of it, actually, and, and maybe you can speak to this as well. As you said, there's nothing exercise can't help with. One of the big areas that I think people have seen recently where exercise is important is in regards to mental health. Yes, definitely. Yeah, give us some insight into that. Well, I mean, exercise is so good at promoting endorphins and and things like that and all your happy hormones. Mm. Um, It helps regulate you, makes you feel happier and Mm. stronger and more confident. In in many areas, exercise can help you, whether it's reaching goals and overcoming like mental barriers or whether it's actually helping with the chemicals and hormones within your body. But, yeah, definitely daily exercise has been proven to lower depression and anxiety levels and mm. yeah just help alleviate some of those symptoms that people can be experiencing which is really important in a post-covid world when we're all kind of used to being couch potatoes now and being quarantined and stuck inside and we're all sad and depressed <laughs> yeah. oh that is so incredible now i think like oh, i'd love to go a little bit a little bit deep because now now that i know like if you're a, you're a master's student in exercise physiology well then, you, you gotta you gotta know you gotta know some stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she likes what six years at uni. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, don't remind me. There's a lot of sitting down. No, that's incredible. No, but I, I think you know one of the areas that I would I would love to know now, like how how has your increased knowledge about exercise and and you know what it is, uh, and how it affects your body. How has that helped you, in particular? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what ways have you applied that to your own life? Good question. Um, definitely, I always thought that, like, going hard and doing the absolute most vigorous, intense exercise was the way to go. Like, mm-hmm. the harder you work, 
the better it's going to be. Just because I'm a little bit competitive and I sure. really like the rush of just going as hard as I can. Uh-huh. Um, that's not always the best way to do things. <laughs> <laughs> um, and some people, like people who really struggle with being overweight, um, they often think, oh, like I need to work as hard as I can just to like lose a little bit of weight. But you actually, if you're doing more moderate intensity exercise, if your heart rate is around 70 to 80% of your maximum you're actually entering into that fat-burning zone, which Mm. is more helpful and it it helps you sustain exercise for longer. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't get burnt out, you're less susceptible to injury, Mm -hmm. um, and it's also just better for your overall health. I mean, I still really enjoy that. That doesn't mean that you don't have to go hard. You definitely can, and I still enjoy doing that. But, yeah, that's something that I've learned to apply a little bit more practically, especially when giving advice to other people. Um, what kind of exercises have your heart rate at that level that you were just saying? Like, like what just, just a, a jog. Even. Oh, okay. Just oh, a, yeah. a jog or, um, you know, some body weight exercises, some squats, push-ups, things like that mm-hmm. um, consistently. Um, there's so also burpees are not necessary. Is that what you're telling me? I feel like that's <laughs> I, what you Well, if you can say. keep your heart rate low, I think <laughs> yeah. that's the point. Right? Like, I think like 10 burpees and then maybe a rest and then yeah, yeah. another 10 <laughs> burpees. But... I was trying to get out of doing burpees. <laughs> but I think it's ultimately like that. that's relative, right? The, the fitter you are or potentially just – just based on your your personal physiology, like your heart rate will be higher or lower depending on what the exercise is. Yeah, well, I mean, recommend, like, your maximum heart rate should be 220 Mm. minus your age. So if you're 20 years old, 220 minus 20 is 200. So your maximum heart rate should be around 200. Mm -hmm. Um, People can exceed that. My Mm -hmm. heart rate, like, exceeds 200 sometimes when I'm pushing it. but that's not necessarily like conducive to good health. <laughs> good health. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad if you're, you know, used to training that way. And athletes, by all means, push that all the time. But sure. yeah, for the general population, it's not ideal. <laughs> yeah. But as you've just said, like, if we're trying to meet fitness goals, you know, like none of us sitting here. Well, athletes. <laughs> well, I know for, for Monica and myself, like our work, <laughs> we're, we're not athletes. Uh, but, at the, but at the same time, it's like, we, we definitely do want to be healthier. We want to live our best lives. We also, I believe, have a responsibility to God to, mm. to be as healthy as we can, because he has given us a work to do. And by having good health, we are able to do it. And so, yeah, we want to be able to to be in good health. And I think knowing that, oh, wait, it's not, you know, crucifying myself every night at the gym that's going to enable me to to be healthy um, and live a better life and have a better quality of life. It's it's actually exercising in balance, which is the same eating yeah. in balance, sleeping sp- in balance. Speaking of exercise and balance, I was just seeing an interview recently, um, you know, about – about this unhealthy body image stuff we have, I'm not, I'm actually not actually about women. I'm actually about men. Like I was, it was about celebrities, you know, have these like big buff ripped superhero look. And I, I was astounded to discover they achieve that look in, in, um, in one way by actually dehydrating themselves for three days mm-hmm. before they start filming so that the skin sits really flat against yeah. their muscles. And I'm like, that is so unhealthy. Yeah. Like it, they look so healthy. They look like super fit, but it's so unhealthy. So I like this sort of moderation, sort of balanced, not one extreme or the other. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. Um, and I guess the easiest way for people to do that practically in everyday life if they're not used to exercise or they don't really enjoy it is just to try and increase the amount of incidental exercise you're doing. Mm. So like parking your car at the other end of the parking lot and walking a further way mm. um, to get into work or to go to the shops or an appointment or wherever you're going or, you know, taking the stairs instead of the lift, just increasing the amount of steps that you're doing a day or, um, you know, carrying in one or two grocery bags at a time instead of taking them all in at once. <laughs> so guilty. <laughs> Unless so you're guilty. trying to build some biceps. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> and try and yeah, you're trying to get massive. Yeah, I know for me, like, uh, yeah, in terms of, like, going to the gym, that that's not really on my radar but what I, what i've been doing like i've been playing a lot of basketball lately and that's that's been fantastic because i love playing basketball i'm a competitive person i love being like trying to win at basketball uh like so it's a it's a game uh but then it's also yeah it's it's sport it's exercise it's getting the heart rate up you know i'm jumping around and sweating and spending time with my friends and so i think i think yeah it's it definitely and and that's been really really good for me it's improved my mood it's improved my health it's improved the way i feel so yeah i i can definitely attest to the idea and definitely from for myself coming from a background of of you know at one point in my life being an athlete and absolutely yeah like being on i think the at the pinnacle of my personal health um and thinking oh that's the only way to do it is to be on a strict diet and exercising six times a day at six times a week um but now finding like oh no like yeah my body can work through that kind of thing Wow, that is incredible. We've quickly run out of time, Caitlin. We have just been just talking enough in here. But thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank, uh, you. thank you for talking about everything exercise physiology. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.